back to Batting Rounds, Batting Rounds Baseball Podcast. I am your co-host, Jane, and with me as always is Lauren. And I'm Lauren. That's Lauren and Steven. <laughs> have you just have you just been doing that for like a couple straight days? Hi, it's me. <laughs> Uh, and uh, before we get into that some more, we do have a guest, returning guest, uh, our, our, I think our definitely our most frequent guest at this point. Uh, Is this we're five sorry or six? for dragging something like that. Sorry for dragging you into this so much. Uh, hi, 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 Roth. It's David Roth. Hey, how's it going? I didn't <laughs> think it was. Good. If it's the sixth time, then that is strange. It does not feel <laughs> yeah. like it's been six times. I think it's five. I, yeah. I have uh, I have five, a spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah, like, but, it, but it's the second time in, like, three months, though, yeah. I think. It, <laughs> so we might have, like, that. there might have been an episode that, like, we were all blacked out on for some various baseball-related okay, reason. Yeah. yeah, that's probably. Yeah. Uh, there's one that was only released to, like, international listeners. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, only, it only aired on the Sky Network, yeah. <laughs> Everyone just agreed that the episode I was on after Chelsea Manning wasn't important. <laughs> <laughs> Been Folks, out of the we got history. we got guy remembering with David Roth. We have yeah, okay, that's unbelievably first, yeah. shitty Madison Bumgarner fit with David yep. Roth. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. yep. We got a Schwarberian in its eloquence with David Roth. <laughs> and we got guess what we're talking about with David Roth. Okay. Yeah. So, so this All is right. this is yeah. is that this, this one or that's is that no? This, this is, is five. five. This makes five. five. Yeah. Name name TK. And yeah, and so yeah, little has changed. To be determined. Any one of those could yeah. be a relevant yeah. episode from like last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> welcome back. Hey. Well, yeah. Nice to be welcome, here. Welcome back. Uh, just wanted, just want to check in on you. Um, how, how are you doing? Why do you ask? <laughs> uh, I'm in. I'm in the like uh, positive self-talk stage of assessing yeah. mm-hmm. my uh, season of watching baseball. And then, like, today, I was kind of just, like, watching the Astros and feeling nothing. And I was like, ah, it's normal. You're back to where you need to be. Uh, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was I was pretty, you know, spicy for a little while there. Uh, I would have been really mad about the hat that Steven's wearing, for instance. But I'm past that now. I don't really have that sort of, uh, I don't carry that with me, you know? It only the hat is down. not to taunt you, Dave. I know. I, I, value, I value our friendship. Well, that's his beliefs. He's just not aware. <laughs> it's a Phillies hat. I know that not everybody mm-hmm. can see Stephen right. People that are listening probably can't see him at all. Or if they can, it's like a... No. I think a actually in this sense, given if, if they have any idea what this podcast is or what's happened in the last 48 hours, they, they can probably see the hat that i'm wearing right and that's what i have to say if they've listened to this podcast they also know that i'm not describing you wearing a mets hat like that is, <laughs> so they at least are starting with one bit of actionable intelligence i i've had a, a, a mets hat has touched my head once in my entire life and it was uh the result of me losing a bet nice mm-hmm. yeah yeah about right yeah. That's like how that's how Michael K came to eat ketchup for the first time, I think. Uh, What? Yeah. Yeah. We need to talk about Michael K's condiments stuff. We we you know we do we do actually need to talk about that. That is on the agenda. (laughs) (laughs) I was not shown the agenda. Uh, I'm just gonna be clear. I'm I that's I'm not gonna talk about the Mets anymore. Like I don't I don't want to do it. It's not important to me. 
that which is behind <laughs> me does not matter. Would you would you settle for talking about the Padres? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite teams. Um, <laughs> because you are a a student of wet guys. Uh, in yes. fact, mm. I listened to the one of the episodes you were on with my mother on a road trip because she <laughs> learned I had a podcast and went, can we listen? And I'm like, uh, yeah, let's grab, let's grab the Roth episode. Cause I'm pretty sure I didn't say the F slur in that one. <laughs> um, and you mentioned wet guys and she, she like reached over to the, and, and like paused and she was like, what's a wet guy. And I'm like, well, okay. That's a big question. Yeah. She's like, is that a, is that a sex thing? <laughs> you, is that a thing you like? <laughs> we we did have to joke that Stephen had to come out to his mom as a podcaster after yeah. a couple of years yeah. of doing it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, we we did have a question in here about wet guys from a listener, so I'm glad that we're getting to this. Good. Yeah. I think this I, uh, is. I had sort of worried that that discourse was tapering off, and then we got a couple of really good specimens in uh, in the postseason. Right. Now, it just lets you know that the. It's a marathon, that's not what, a sprint, you know? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what this question says. I'll just read off this question. It says, uh, from at Book Chin Music, a general update on the status of the wet guy in MLB seems warranted. It seems like wet guys were on the decline for a while, but are maybe coming back. Brandon Marsh and Yu Chang sprang it immediately to mind. Does James Karinchak count as a wet guy? Karinchak is like, so, terrific question. Obviously happy to mm-hmm. address this topic. Yeah. Um, Karinchak to me is like a wet guy in the same way that Araldus Chapman is a wet guy, like just in the sense that they're kind of visually unsettling, but it's like, they're just like sweaty, kind of gross. Like Karen check is like, if Connor O'Malley didn't have like any charm, <laughs> you know, like it's just, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's like, he's perspiring freely. I think probably most of the time that he's awake, but it's not like the sort of thing where you could say that's a choice. It's like a, or that it's a medical condition. It's just that's the vibe. Brandon Marsh, uh, I went looking on uh, Getty Images trying to find, like, pictures of him where he didn't look wet from, like, mm-hmm. early in his... And this is just it. This is what you see is what you get. He is yeah. doing it Lifelong wet guy. Yep. Clay Buckle style, like, pouring water <laughs> on... Like, there's a photo on Getty of him pouring water on his head... While his head, so he's sort of like tilted over his long hair and sick beard with just like cake in it is visible, but not his face. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he's just emptying a plastic bottle of water over his head. It looks like the little kid from the ring, like climbing out of the well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Real Samara vibes. But that's like the, that was Clay Buckholz's excuse when people were accusing him of being strategically wet or tactically wet, I guess. That, you know, they said he was loading the ball up and he was like, no, man, I just pour a bottle of water on my head before every inning, like, psh, dumbass. <laughs> and that's like Brandon Marsh is, like, he never stopped doing it. He's bringing it back uh, mm-hmm. very strongly. I was, I, I, I was really, when the Phillies signed Brandon Marsh, I'm like, wait a minute. And I was like, I was like taking a close look and I'm like, hold on. And I looked for a photo of him with like normal hair. And I was like, oh, he's hot under all of that yeah. why is that like that why are why are you doing this sir i think that's mm-hmm. part of why the wet guy look declined is that like there are a lot of dudes that were at the 
guy that I thought of as being one of the wettest was Hunter Wood on the the Rays, and mm-hmm. he was kind of like yep. dirtbag hot, but was like mm-hmm. a good looking guy. Mm-hmm. And at some point, people were just like, "Dry yourself off! <laughs> like yeah. you're gonna do so much better with girls well, or whatever you're I into." Because he always had that super angular beard too, mm-hmm. like that yeah. really trimmed, like yeah, like t- complete forty five degree one down right. his cheekbones. Like it was incredible. He, yeah, I he wasn't if... wet because he didn't give a shit. He was wet because right. like that was a choice. Anyway, sorry, I keep oh, yeah. interrupting yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no no sorry sorry um I think I think it's just getting out ahead of it right like if that's how you groom yourself you're gonna be wet so you might as well just make it water rather than just sweat yeah and I was like why why won't he ever fucking cut and shave for the love of god and of course I read an article like a few days ago because now people are writing articles about the Phillies in October it's crazy <laughs> uh, I don't know what this is but uh, apparently, um, his his late father used to uh, yell at him all the time to get a fucking haircut. So uh, it's his like kind of inside joke that he shares with his dead father that he huh. like huh. looks like Chewbacca. I think it comes um, up more as like a mad at your dad thing than a it's like yeah, yeah, really. Thing. Yeah. Like every day I own my late dad on <laughs> yeah. the field like this. Yeah, yeah, um, guess what, Dad? Like, my hair's long, but you're dead. It yeah, was like. weirdly it was written in a way that it was weirdly weirdly sweet. So now I can't now I can't fault the guy for yeah. looking like a Wookiee. But uh yeah, he he's he is the wettest guy that I've ever seen on the Phillies. Certainly that I position. can even recall seeing on the Phillies. And they've had some wet guy I mean like, I feel like John Crook was one of those guys where again it was not yeah. like he was just wet because like all he ate was waffle fries, like, throughout his entire career. And, mm-hmm. like, that's hard. That takes a lot out of a body, I think. Mm-hmm. But the, you don't see a lot of position players with marsh-level wetness. I think pitchers could tell you, like, it, maybe it helps them grip the ball or it cools them down or whatever. Like, I don't know what Brandon Marsh is getting out of that except for just, like, the thrill of knowing that, like, children think you're a werewolf or whatever. Like, it's not, <laughs> like, obvious to me where the, the win is but he's doing it and yeah. he's uh he's owning the look i respect that i still think that the there's a wetness this is i i won't belabor this too much but i think there's a <laughs> distinction between the way that like jason giambi was wet and which was very like attitude era wrestling where it was like he was really more just kind of greasy mm-hmm. yeah he was part of degeneration acts yes or something. like it was yeah. definitely yeah. that look and this is like this is something different like Marsh is like the wet version of the thing that replaced the wet guy, which is just like um, sort of like like a combination between like an ardent sports hunting sort of look and then that sort of like aspirational tactical operator aesthetic that you see some places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, totally. But all both of that is dry. I do sort of wonder, just based on the the demographic we're kind of exploring here and the recent scandal in this in this professional sport, as well as like the local community involved in, the, in playing it, I wonder if like professional like fishing has an incredibly high wet guy quotient, just because that would be at the intersection of all of these things, like at a very intense yeah. level. Mm-hmm. It seems like it should. I don't know very much. There was a scandal recently in fishing involving like cheating and guys almost getting in a fight with each other. Yeah. and as I well, recall, they just yeah. had that. But they just look like NASCAR pit crew guys. Like, they looked like um, like guys who go to a church where people wear shorts. Like, it was that aesthetic. <laughs> but, Very like, they so, definitely yeah. go to church. Oh, they got to go to church. But it's like a weird so, ev- yeah. evangelical one that where, where the it's very business casual because there's 300% humidity in a tent. Yeah. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, Chris Pratt's church. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, that was a that was a great scandal because there a guy was literally putting weights in the fish. Oh god, that was oh, such a weird video. To that see. rocks. Yeah. That's so funny. It's such an analog cheating thing too. Like that is like yeah. basically if every sport gets its man hits garbage can with bat when curveball is coming, <laughs> yeah. then like it would make sense that fishings would be just sort of like well, you gonna make the fish heavier. That's how you do it. Like, it's just like, what else are you gonna do? Just like, shove the yeah, yeah, shove the little like little bell weights down the throat. Yeah, kind of hard to do surreptitiously too. Like the idea of just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone it, noticing that you've just shoved several double A batteries down the mouth of a bass that you're holding in your hand. Like. Very hard to catch unless you're used to like cutting, gutting the fish in front of people. Like that literally is somebody who, with the skill to look at a fish and be like, "That's that's eight ounces heavier than it should be." Yep. Which is a skill Incredible. that's usually only reserved for like dads who know the exact weight of like a suitcase at the, before it goes in the airport weight uh, right. scale. <laughs> if you haven't looked out the window when it's raining and said, "We needed this." And you yeah. don't have the, <laughs> the levels of dad expertise to call that out. Speaking of dads. Okay, okay go for it. That's a better transition Let's than I got. Let's go swing it. it back to why I brought wet guys up in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got to talk about Joe Musgrove's ears. Vile, right. cheating Joe Musgrove. Yeah, what happened here? I was, uh, I did yeah. not watch this game. I watched... Yeah, I watched every other uh, wild card game of the weekend. Uh, that's the only one I did not watch. But I did just get, like I looked up at my phone at one point, and I had about five text messages from a Mets fan friend being like, "This is uh, I'm not having a good time." Yep. Three exclamation points. <laughs> uh, nothing good will ever happen in my life. Just like stuff like that. Uh, yeah. This and so this is one of the things that like I missed. But I saw the you know pitching ninja videos or whatever later mm-hmm. of, of them just uh caressing caressing joe musgrove's ear a furious joe uh, musgrove's yeah. ear like that is it something that you would do to a pet to soothe it and it only makes him more and more mad the longer it goes on the vibe to me was very much and this is gonna sound fucking stupid already so i know you're y'all are gonna laugh at me but the vibe was very much like like a, a barely held back minotaur like being <laughs> being appraised by like some weird fantasy slaver, like yeah, sure, okay, like the the r- right, the bubbling yeah. rage underneath <laughs> is just like so palpable. But he's like, I'm I'm just gonna have to let this this grown adult man caress my ear on yeah. on national television while another grown adult man looks on hopefully yeah. and then yeah and then Hope he you took find his, something in there good luck and then he took his frustrations out on 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 other other people yeah i mean he'd already taken his yeah. frustrations yeah. out on the mets that was one of those things where you know obviously like getting one hit in an elimination game would be one you'd file under the uh, the Joe Girardi not what you want heading. Uh, that's not <laughs> how I had that shit drawn up. Um, but it was also one of those things where, like, if you lose that way, you lose that way, right? Like, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I was worried about that series because Darvish has owned the Mets. I didn't, I think, fully understand just how good Musgrove had been for, like, the last month and a half. I guess he's, like, given up one run in his last five starts or something like that. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. outlandish. And so, you know, whatever. It's a three-game series. You've got to face each of those guys. That's really bad. Like, and then you lose. And, and, uh, you know, we'll we'll take it from there. I don't know what comes after that. But the losing that way sucks. The fact that they somehow managed to sneak 
under the wire in a game that was going very quickly for a playoff game, a little bit of extra Mets shit for everyone to <laughs> fucking laugh at, that I did not appreciate. Like, that, I feel like the sort of thing where, like, we could have come out of this with, like, a decently clean sheet, and everybody was just sort of like, oh, well, you know, it's tough luck. They did win 101 games, and instead it's just like, this is the ear season that ended in the ear game. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't matter what else happened, <laughs> because that is all anyone's going to remember from it. Which is oh, very I know that. Sorry, I was I was watching Twitter during the game, um, and there were a lot of really, really good uh, guesses to what the sports tabloid headlines would be the next day. But I didn't actually check what they actually were. Well, I think McCutcheon pretty much nailed it. He kind of explained that it's a tradition for a lot of pitchers to use icy hot. To, oh God! Yeah. yeah. It's such a good baseball thing, too, that basically, like, one guy could be like, it's a chemical irritant that guys put on themselves so they can get more mad. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, all right. Sounds well, it right. fucking works. That's the right. thing. Like, uh, uh, I can't pull it up because I'm kind of blocked into my computer here, but... Um, yeah, they said Clem- They said Roger Clemens would, like, put it on his balls. Yeah. Like, a yeah. trainer would Roger put it Clemens on his balls before every game. 2000, who, who Joe Musgrove apparently learned this from, put it on his balls before the 2001 second game of the 2000 World Series... And pitched eight innings, uh, two hits. So, like, clearly this works. Clearly this this should be done for a certain kind of guy. It also reminds you of how incredibly easy to prank MLB pitchers would be. Oh, my God. But, like, I don't have any doubt that Roger Clemens did that. I also feel like if you told Joe Musgrove that Roger Clemens did that, he'd be like, fucking hell yeah, dude. (laughs) And would would then do it. No, I think that makes them harder to prank because if they're already doing themselves, like how do you escalate from put icy right. hot on your testicles? Yeah. Like, how does it get any? How does it get any worse than that? Yeah. Like, I guess if they never really like figure out that they're being pranked, or if they get to the end of it and they're like, "Thank you for pushing me to be the best," and you have to be like, "I was trying to do a thing that would bother your balls. I didn't think that it yeah. was going to make you the one real, hit the Mets." Yeah, the only yeah. escalation here is oreectomy, and that's a little extreme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was no, uh, Musgrove's happened. aesthetic too is kind of a throwback to me. So like he was making a lot of faces while he was getting examined that I like feel kind of '90s or like early aughts to me. Like sort of like those were uh, steroid era baseball expressions, and I'm not casting any aspersions on him. Like that's just how people are. But that sort of like uh, James Hetfield face way that I feel like every third <laughs> baseball player used to have. There's less of that now, and Musgrove was, like, making all of the sort of, like, lifestyle determines your death style, like, Hetfield grade. (laughs) (laughs) Good grunts and grimaces. I'm going to insert a Drew, uh, yeah, in the (laughs) (laughs) air. I remember one of the hardest I've laughed on a podcast was um, on with the Productive Outs guys, and... Riley Breckenridge does a, a good Hetfield imitation that he does not do too much of, but every now and then he would just sneak in a Hetfield like a ooh, like one of those. Like, yeah, yeah, just a hundred percent fucking hit rate for me. Uh, it became unprofessional for thirty seconds every time he did it. Uh, I I apologize for how much I needed that year thing. Yeah. Like, I needed the ear thing more than I even needed the Mets elimination. Like, that was just high camp. Yeah. Perfect, beautiful. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, um, I can't even argue with any of it. Like, obviously, I did not enjoy the shit. But at the same time, like, well, <laughs> you know, like, I felt bad for my favorite baseball team, but was able to appreciate it as tremendous content all the mm-hmm. same. Like, you right. just can't deny mm-hmm. that. And it's good, I think, in some ways to end on a ridiculous note like that. Like, this is, Mm -hmm. it's funny, 
to mm-hmm. go out eating shit like that on your home field in a wild card game because you couldn't beat the Marlins more often in September. Like this is that's kind of the ending you deserve to get, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did have like a pretty rough go at it the last two months. So yeah. like it's not super surprising that like they didn't go far in October either. Yeah. And at the yeah. same time, uh, there I I don't see a ton of evidence. I haven't looked at every single free agent in the off season. That this that this is an indicator that like it's it's over for this iteration of the Mets. They still have Scherzer. They're still going to have most of their position players. And Scherzer is probably like in a diminished capacity at this point in the playoffs. I don't know, but um, I would not feel terrible about next year if I was a Mets fan. Other than like the existential baseline, terrible about being a Mets fan next season. <laughs> yeah. I gotta drop you into the uh, mentally ill Mets fan DM so you can get a sense of. How and why you should feel terrible about? I mean, I'm in a Yankees GM, and they do that shit, and they're like in a way, way better, way, way, way better position. So it's it's that's that's just the existential nature of baseball fans. Yeah. Yeah. So there's reasons to be nervous about the Mets next year, but nothing that suggests to me that they're going to fall off a cliff. I mean, like they're just going to have to. This is so I won't go too far into it because it's annoying. But the way that uh, I sort of think of the turnaround that they're on is that like. You know, obviously this year they were really good. Last year they were objectively bad. They did about as much as you can do just by spending money, um, you know, just in terms of improving their fortunes. Like, I'm not—the uh, trade deadline wasn't great. The offseason moves they made, they pretty much hit on every one of them. Like, especially given that yeah. Eduardo Escobar was the only player that hit at all the last month of the year. Yeah. Like, every one of those transactions worked. I mean, like, you would have wanted Marte to be ha- uh, healthy for the playoffs. You would have wanted Chris Bassett to finish stronger, whatever. Everything else pretty much worked. The team got a lot better. They still aren't a real baseball organization yet, that it's like the sort of, like, they want to be the Dodgers. Everybody wants to be the Dodgers. But, like, to be the Dodgers is hard. Because mm-hmm. not, it's not just that you're spending money on this really good major league roster that you have. You have this farm system that works and is churning out more talent than you can actually use. And therefore, you can, you know, whatever swap four or five of those guys for Trey Turner or Mookie Betts or whatever as needed. Mets don't have that. Um, And they don't have the infrastructure to become that. And so it's the sort of thing where I'm sure now that this is five times I've been on here, like I'm sure that I've made the reference to the the Itchy and Scratchy Land episode of The Simpsons where one of the robots takes the top of its head off. And there's circuits inside, and Marge yeah. goes, see, that's why your robot didn't work, Homer. <laughs> and, like, the Mets are still, like, crafting this beautiful platinum they've got, exoskeleton. They've got the bucket yeah. and the vacuum cleaner, but yeah. they haven't quite put all the other shit right. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, man, though. Like, I, I, I think at this point there's 29 teams who shouldn't be comparing themselves to the Dodgers in this in this specific instance. No one of else course. is, no yeah. is going to be that. Yeah. No one else is doing that. No one else is even close to that. Right. And I think that for the Mets, in terms of, like, if they spend money again— like, they'll be fine again. They just need to... They have basically no one under contract in the bullpen uh, for next year that's pitched at all for them this year. I mean, just cause in the sense that they don't have any young, real young contributors. Like, they could go out and get the same guys or do the same thing that they did last offseason and hope that they get it more or less as right. Mm-hmm. But they're not in the position yet where the farm system is, like, churning out the sort of, like, busted starter turned 95 and a slider guy that mm-hmm. like every other team is capable of producing. They just don't have that because they kept drafting these like command and control dudes and then just like trying to make them pitch to contact for a long time. That's all the twins did for like 15 years. They're yep. finally just mm-hmm. getting away from, from that and now. It seems like, like, but yeah. the, the twins are proof. I think in some ways that like you can, 
flip that sort of yeah. shortcoming pretty quickly. Yeah. That, like, they produce, it's not, like, you know, dominant, like, the way that the Yankees produce, like, relief pitchers. But, like, they've got a bunch of guys that all pitch kind of the same way and that are effective or, yeah. or somewhat effective. You know, the issue there is that they, all the guys they bring in via trade and, and as yeah. free agents stink. <laughs> I mean, so, like, that's... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh. Uh, what my hope for the Mets, I guess, is that, like, I think this was probably the best chance or one of the best chances that they had to win a World Series for mm-hmm. a little while. Because I do think that, like, you know, you've got kind of the downside of Scherzer's career, although he was still excellent before the last... I think he probably has a strained oblique still, and, you know, there's well, that. Well, th- that's kind of the thing that, that I come back to with Scherzer in particular is, like, he's 37 now in the 2019 World Series by Game 7 there. Like, he he was getting by on, like, a prayer in that game. Yeah. 2020 was pretty similar with the Dodgers by the time he got to the playoffs. I just don't think he's a guy who you really want to be your ace in the postseason at this point. That's just what I see yeah. for a guy with that age throwing that many innings. I don't know. And I think under the best of circumstances, if DeGrom was fully healthy, which, you know, he pitched pretty well mm-hmm. in the, the game yeah. that he pitched in, but he had yeah. not been very good uh, prior to that. Like, he'd been kind of weirdly hittable. He had a blister situation, I guess. Mm-hmm. But if Scherzer's your 1B and, you know, DeGrom is your 1A, then, like, you're in a fucking great spot. Like, that's a team yeah. that can win a World mm-hmm. Series for sure. But if neither one of those guys is capable of pitching six innings, uh, then, you know, it's just, it gets harder. Like, this is the thing where, like, it'll be interesting to watch, I guess, as a fan. Like, I think that Scherzer, maybe more so than DeGrom, is, like, on a decline trajectory that you can sort of, like, understand if you've watched other great pitchers do this stuff. Like, every now and then mm-hmm. you get, like, whatever is happening with Verlander, who I know got, got torched earlier today, but was just, like better this year than he's been you know like like he's just been getting better and better since he entered his late 30s i don't know how you do that uh no one's ever done that. no that's that's such an outlier from everything else yeah but scherzer it just seems like is doing that thing where it's you know you're losing a little bit and yet he's like so beyond like talented and having like the arm that he has and stuff like he knows how to pitch and so is able to sort of like pick up the difference and that goes can go on for a long period of time that like Greg Maddox had, like, eight years at the end of his career where he was basically, like, the sort of modicum of craft versus talent or, uh, you know, whatever, or just arm strength or whatever. It was, like, you could see the percentages changing, but only at the very end did it become untenable. Like, I don't think that Scherzer is there yet. The issue with DeGrom is that, like, he's not backing off at all. He's still throwing 101 miles an hour every time he throws a fastball. And so there's this sense of watching him where, like, you never know when he's going to break. And it's a different sort of, like, you know, this whole, like, mystery upper body injury that he had all, you know, that basically kept him out for a year. Like, some of that is the Mets medical team being the Mets medical team, you know? And, like, you just got to, like, (laughs) it's the fucking pain box from Dune, you know? Like, it's not important (laughs) what's in there. It just sucks ass. Yeah, it's just it's pain. That's all it's there's in there. There's a lot yeah. of things you don't know. And yet, like, with DeGrom, there's just, because he's throwing so hard and because his body is so relatively normal-sized, like, there's definitely the sense that it could just be, like, a loud, sproinging sound and it's over forever, you know? So it's a mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. stressful thing to watch. 
I do think he'll be back with the Mets next year. I don't think that Cohen's going to let himself get outbid. So unless DeGrom wants There's to There's no way that's happening. Yeah, unless he wants to go pitch in Atlanta or Florida or something like that to be closer to home, I don't really think that, like, that's one of those things where, like, yeah, he's a pro- you know prolific financial criminal and I wouldn't want to hang out with him and he's got a weird <laughs> Guy Fieri fetish. And that's all, the, you know, whatever, it's fine. There are worse owners. This is yeah. one thing where you can say for Stephen Cohen that I don't think he's going to let somebody pay Jacob DeGrom $1 million more than him. No. Yeah, that makes sense. So I guess that's good. I don't know. (laughs) It'll still be weird if it's like watching fucking Kyle Gibson pitch for them next year, and I'm like, huh, good thing there's three wild card spots. You know, like like I'm already spoiled. I had one year where they were really good, and I can already feel, you know, whatever. How, like, if they're just like a rock-solid 87-win team next year, and I, like, have a good time at eight games over the course of the summer— it's going to feel like a loss relative to this. And um, I watched you know. Kyle Gibson pitch for seven years. I, I, I wish that upon every single fan of uh, Major League Baseball. Team. I, um, I, everybody should have to experience what it's like to have <laughs> Kyle Gibson pitch for your team. I've, I've like, done my time. Him. I would yeah. like for it to end now. What is his like, role with the Phillies in the postseason? Is he just like not on the roster? I, I have not checked. Um, I don't I was think so happy to see Zach Eflin closing games. <laughs> I was happy to see Zach Eflin closing games until he gave up a three-run home run in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. I just mean, um. like, so for me, like, I'm, I don't love the Phillies, but they have that, like, weird energy going on with them. Like, I think the Braves are going to win the World Series again, just based on the way they played at the end of the year. I also think there's a chance the Phillies somehow sweep them without ever <laughs> being good because October's stupid like that. Yeah, and yeah. watching Zach Eflin get the last, like, strikeout Ronald Acuna to wrap That's up so a sweep cool. mm-hmm. with some dorky Zach Eflin cutter or whatever is, like, <laughs> I'm ready yeah. for that. Like, I was watching at work. Um, I have a giant monitor that just was, like, I was working on my tiny little laptop, and I had my giant monitor with the game on, and I... I was like, oh, shit, I cannot leave until the game is over, but also I have to record this podcast. So, like, thankfully it ended on time, and I, oh, my God, the fucking, the ninth inning took a year off my life. I would say it ended just at the right moment, because if it had gone on (laughs) even a couple pitches longer, I think it would have been really bad for you. (laughs) Yes, uh, but as it stands, I popped in my, like, I, I just like fucking blasted hype up music on the way home, and I, I walked home like I was Brandon Nimmo, like all the fucking all the fucking adrenaline coursing through my body. Uh, I don't know how to conduct myself. Um, I started becoming a fan in the in the like shadow of the '08 World Series. Mm-hmm. I was not th- I was not quote unquote there for it. And the the remainder of that run was very much me learning what baseball was. And I really kind of cut my teeth on the shitty Phillies yeah. of the past decade. And now they're here, and they, you know, they got revenge for 2011 on St. Louis in the most delicious, scrumptious... Yeah, wonderful, delightful way they possible. Got the thanks of a grateful nation for that one too. <laughs> it <laughs> was, that was uh, 
Also, it, watching the Cardinals go out in such an uncardinals way, yeah. like watching like Arenado make bizarre fielding errors, I was kind of like, "What is happening?" We Anything's stole possible. the devil magic. Yeah, we're the yeah. devil magic now. I think you, I think you got it. Like, um, <laughs> you, especially with with taking Game One in Atlanta, like, yeah, that that's that's devil magic stuff. Like scoring in <laughs> s- scoring two runs in the first inning on four consecutive singles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. that sounds Perfect. like devil magic to me. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm living my sicko shit. I'm rolling in that garbage mud. I'm I'm God, I don't even know. So I don't even you, know how to conduct myself. I don't want to make you dox your shit on the podcast, but do you live in Philadelphia? Yes. I I I <laughs> I live within a block of Broad Street. Oh, all right. So, so can you give a, can you give a vibe check? Is it just like guys in huge basketball shorts and hoodies high fiving each other outside <laughs> everywhere you see, everywhere you turn? See, it's interesting because nobody believed in this team. Like, yeah, absolutely nobody. Fans, I mean, <laughs> yeah. and until the very last bit, and then they it seemed like they were trying to duff it away right down to the the bitter end. There, the vibe has literally been throughout the whole season. Oh, maybe it's this year. And then in September they had that skid, and it's like, oh, this year is just like the past four. Yeah, or five, that was when the vibe became "Let's go Eagles." Yeah, the, yep. the vibe yeah. was very that moment very comes for every Eagles Phillies chance. team. Like, and it was just it was so when they got swept by the Cubs, that was like the nadir of the season. Right, and then when they when they beat the Astros in that one game to clinch clinch the playoffs. Everybody was just happy. They were like most of the conversation wasn't even on this team. It was on the 2011 team because like, oh, cool, the drought is over. We've ended the drought. We're all happy that the drought is gone, even if they had to expand the playoffs for it to happen. <laughs> um, but then, you know, they beat the Cardinals. They, they got they got mm-hmm. ultimate revenge from one of their biggest boogeymen. And now the vibes are like, oh, shit, all right. Pretty soon it's going to be like those scenes in Major League where like people are like you know walking around town in like Kyle Schwarber shirts, high-fiving yeah. each other yeah. and stuff. Like, yeah, a yeah. couple welders yeah. are like talking about the game last night with, with yeah. optimism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I said this in a conversation on Twitter the other day. Like, we, if, if we get something to believe in, we'll ride to hell with you. But we need to have something to believe in, and yeah. until literally, until literally like the beginning of October, we didn't have that, and now we do. And Philadelphia is about to get like I've seen. I'm seeing a lot of like neutral fans be like, "Oh, it's really cool that they're doing this. They got really good vibes and good energy." Like, no, that's gonna wear off real quick. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get really annoying. Yeah, I think that's so. It feels like they're on, and I don't know that Philadelphia has it in it as a sports town to enjoy it this way. But I think of all the types of postseason runs that a team can have, that the one where you are clearly overperforming and feel like you've got like the Holy Ghost somehow. And so you're just like sort of everything is just arriving, you know, in this sort of like wrapped in like gratitude and um, confusion. Like it's sort of just a hat. Like, the 2015 Mets World Series run was like that, too, where I was like, this team is not that good. Like, I know they're not that good because, like, mm-hmm. three weeks ago, I watched them and they weren't that good. And now they are the 27 Yankees for some time TBD. <laughs> and, that's just, and that is so 
fun. It does not generally get you all the way there, although it got the Braves all the way there last year. But it's like, as, as long as you can be good, I mean, that was where I wanted to be with the Mets this year. And the collapse and, you know, I think just in general, the fact that they were a little, that they were really good for more of the season than they weren't. Like, a little bit of that entitlement sort of crept in. Like, because ideally, it's like, you don't want to watch your team crash out, but it's good, better to be there than not be there, you know? The and so there was, yeah. The entitlement is deadly because I remember, like, the 2011 team was the winningest Phillies team of all time. Mm-hmm. And they got unceremoniously dumped from the playoffs by an 80 win Cardinals team. Yeah. Um, so, or in, in, like high eighties Cardinals, unlike team. any other, <laughs> and it's just like, like I can only speak for myself here, but if, like, I will be, I will be, I will cry and be upset and be not okay with the Phillies not winning the World Series. <laughs> However, if they take out the Cardinals and the Braves and outlast the Mets, I'm declaring oh, yeah. victory. Like right. that's a that's a, that's a like everybody like I. I don't know, like, if we get to the NLCS and get, like, donkey-dicked by the Dodgers, like, fine, whatever. Bullshit. I don't bullshit. care. Total bu- I'm, calling, I'm calling total bullshit on that. You will be insanely furious if that happens. I will be insanely <laughs> furious, but so, so much less insanely furious than, like, losing to the Braves. If, the, if, we, lose the, if we lose the division series to the Braves, I will not be fun to be around for a long time. Okay, yeah. I... I I do not begrudge you your your Phillies fandom or your happiness in their in their victory, but I do, I I am officially rooting for anybody but the Phillies in this World Series run, not out of any kind of not out of any kind of disrespect to Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia, or even to this team, but because I see in your story for how you became a Phillies fan, a dark future for this podcast, <laughs> where Phillies the Phillies winning wow. brings in more Phillies fans, and those Phillies fans listen to our podcast, and it snowballs. They ask more, they ask more mailbag questions, they ask for more Phillies segments. We start talking about the Phillies more and more and more until we're just a Phillies podcast, and oh. I will slit my listen, wrists before I let that happen. Fucking. Yeah. The, the amount of fucking Mets fans that listen to this goddamn podcast, I don't. I think we're fine. I think I we're fucking fine. Phillies fans are different, though. It's like um, it's like if you have mold in your home. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be very aggressive about it. The first signs of it, because then I think Lauren is right that this is. You might be two months away from being like we're back to our regular Boma Zone uh, segment. This is just. Anything that any observations that you or the listeners have about Alec Bohm, how he should style himself, <laughs> any of that, like that could happen. And that's that's a dark future. We, none of us want that. Yeah, we got we to watch out for that. that. I I don't know. I I like I like not having to talk about the Phillies all the time on this podcast. That's one of my favorite things about it. But I'm also saying that as someone who um, will be going insane if they make a deep run. Lauren and Jane, do you have any? Have you adopted a, a postseason team or two? Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm a little bit. I'm going back to my roots and and going pretty hard for the Dodgers this year. I think. Uh, yeah, I I wouldn't mind seeing the Dodgers do it. I I mean the Mariners, right? That's yeah. cool. Yeah, like, everyone they, really they, likes they, the they, Yeah, yeah. Um, and r- right now, uh, as we're recording this, there's uh, one out left. Uh, the oh, you're ahead of first, me. Yeah, first and, game of uh, 
Mariners Houston. And, and, and that's a definitional you love to see it moment. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Do they Absolutely. even have like a bitter rivalry fan base that will hate them? Like, do they even have that? Like, I'm pretty sure everybody, if they won the World Series, the Angels and Mariners like, have some weird like, yeah. Fake Angels rivalry. and Mariners, kind of the Mariners are one of those teams that gets hit by pitches a lot. Like, I think that everybody sort of hates them, but it is the sort of thing where like, yeah, it's like the bitter rivalry that you have with Angels fans is one of those things where it's just like <laughs> the Angels are not interesting enough for that to matter. That would be yeah. like if. I went off about, like, the pizza place that I don't like in my neighborhood. You know, it's like, it's fine. Like, my wife has to hear it or whatever because, like, they know what they did or whatever. But there's no reason why anyone that doesn't live here needs to hear my opinions about it. Yeah. But a, a really chippy Mariners-Houston rivalry would be very fun for a couple of years. Mm. I'll, I'll go with the I'll, – I'll also say a secondary answer of the Dodgers, though, because uh, I, I have the hat. Uh, I guess I could I could wear the hat. <laughs> While we're yeah. doing a watch along or something, yeah. the Dodgers are uh, also yeah. like at this level of being like they're so good that it's kind of like I want to be able to enjoy that and mm-hmm. like and I mean I guess now that I uh, don't have a rooting interest anymore after uh, seventy two hours of the postseason, we were able to get that whole uh, you know <laughs> losing getting off the wheel of Dharma, and now I'm just <laughs> able to watch in an enlightened way. <laughs> like we ran a story we cross posted it we ran a baseball prospectus that Jenny Searle wrote about that was just kind of like sort of a little grab bag of like Dodgers um dominance factoids. The one that stuck with me is that they have been playing at a ninety nine win pace for the last ten years. <laughs> like it's just fucking preposterous. That's like, excellent. Yeah. I should be able to enjoy a team that is able to do that. And their players yeah. are pretty likable. Like there's no one there I, I really yeah. dislike. I don't like this like just uh, personality-wise, I don't know the the like 2017, 2018 Dodgers. I thought were a lot more fun in that yeah. regards, but like it's still it's still a bunch of the same guys, and it's really fun. Yeah, yeah. It'd be cool if Bellinger was good again. I would. Yeah. I would like I, that. I right? really like that. Yeah, it would I, be fun. It would, would be fun. I would also like a, a more prominent generation of like C list, B list celebs behind uh, home yes. plate at Dodger games now, like. All the best ones have kind of died off or gotten too old to go to games recently. I don't want yeah. to settle for like a. So you're Pete seeing Davidson like Lisa Gibbons run. back there or something. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. god. Or we got we have like you know five guys from a, a hype house that's uh, about to be investigated by the authorities yeah, like <laughs> sitting behind a home yeah. plate. Maybe yeah. that's the problem is that I don't recognize like TikTok guys. Yeah. Where people yeah. are like, yeah, that's like racist Jared. Like everybody loves racist. <laughs> He's huge. He's got millions of followers. I think that's just a Crowder guy. Yeah. That's uh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um, Imagine I, Crowder behind home plate with a fucking shoulder holster that he wears during his podcast. Just oh like God. wincing at every foul ball. No, he'd, he'd be in like a maxi dress. Like the most, yeah. the, oh, the right. most ill-fitting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like cheap Amazon dress he can find. Yep. This is to yeah, own yeah. people, by the way. I hate this. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't love the Dodgers, um, but I don't. I don't hate them. They're just like there. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of them being there. Like their their dominance is exhausting to me. Yeah, I think so... if we get through to Dodgers Astros, I'll probably whine a little bit. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's but... The Astros, the the, the uh, we need to be delivered from Astros hell by the Mariners. Yeah. Like yeah. that'd be really nice. Oh my god, I'm so sick of them. Is there? And we know the Yankees won't do it. Yeah. <laughs> If it ends up being Yankees Dodgers or Astros Dodgers, like that'll be annoying, but it'll only be like really bad if like 
the Dodgers lose one of those series, like especially if it's if it's uh, Dodgers Astros. Like yeah. if they if they Dodgers lose that one, God, it'll be it'll be so insufferable. Yeah, at that point they just go uh, back to Brooklyn. Right. Are we like almost? I know we're not almost almost at the point, but now that the Astros have basically churned out, there's only like two guys the, left on that team. right from that, and you know, I liked a lot. Of, I mean, I'm not mad at George Springer. Like I have no right. you know beef with that guy, but it's like at this point, like once you've replaced all of those dudes, like, am I going to have to, like, get mad about Jeremy Pena now? Like, I barely know what that guy looks like. Like, I don't, right. I feel like that seems like a lot of work. I mean, like, at some point, I'll just stop. They, yeah. they do have the two that were the most annoying about it. Yes. Uh, I think, yeah. Ob- objectively, I think, yeah, I have personally stopped caring entirely about this. Uh, yeah. Uh, at least, like, at, at the level, at the, at the surface level of, uh, or at the deeper level of understanding what's actually going on in a game. That said, one of the last games of the season, I went to an Orioles game against the Astros, and uh, booing uh, Altuve every single at-bat was the most fun I've had at a baseball game in years. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I went to a Dodgers game a couple of years ago. It was that first year that um, Harper was with the Phillies. It was a Dodgers-Phillies mm-hmm. game. And the way that they booed Harper every time he came up was just like, they're having a great time. Like, they're having such a good time here. I, 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 it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and that's a fan base where that matters. The Orioles have yeah. in no way been harmed by the, by the 2017 Astros. Like, they were right, going right, to win 60 right. games that year no matter what. Like, that yeah. was the whole idea. Like, the idea that somehow, like, they were, like, they were uh, banging on this garbage can, and that was why uh, whoever the fuck, whatever, like, end of career, like, Tommy Malone grade junk baller was getting torched like no it was like the whole like the you signed tommy malone but you sort of knew it was gonna happen there Mm -hmm. real quick i before we do mailbag i I just want to get i want to take your temperature on the wild card round i okay i had a really good time with this i think the two out of three thing Mm -hmm. is awesome i think it i think it rules and it i hate to say it because when they announced it i was like fuck this this sucks why are we doing this i hate this we all said last week we were worried it wouldn't be as exciting and we all look like idiots now because it was fantastic yeah Yeah. because it was awesome yeah like (laughs) i think what was it like literally every game was exciting (laughs) pretty much i mean especially i had a similar bit of trepidation with it and it's funny in retrospect to just to lauren's point the idea of being like there's this thing that you like and you're about to get it served to you but you're going to get a little bit more than usual. And like instantly I'm just sort of like, what if I, I don't know, like, do I like pastrami that much? Like yeah, you've you already decided out. you turns fucking you like do. it. Like, of course you do. Like they'll give you an extra half a sandwich and you'll be like, I couldn't. And then you'll eat it. <laughs> and like, it also, I think I was worried about like the, it only being in one location, but Three Obviously, out of the four teams say. were the the away team. Right. Oh no! What Did happened? it? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I literally can't. Off. The, I literally can't. They blew it. Houston just walked it off against the oh. Mariners. Oh no! <laughs> Robbie Ray. They put in Robbie Ray. Oh, you, you got the. You're kidding out. me. You, you were lying to me. Seawold. Yeah. Oh. Should have been Seawold. Seawold think, was in before. Oh, yeah. I hate that. Um, so to so me, much. like I think, oh. yeah, this has become a very hostile to Robbie Ray <laughs> podcast. <Yeah. laughs> like it's very funny. Yeah. Robbie Ray also. I, I mean, it's you don't want to do, uh, you know, steal Richard Staff's gags. But the whole thing about the guy not getting shots and then giving up homers, it's like the yeah. the jokes sort of you don't have to post them, but the gags <laughs> are going to scroll through your head yeah. all the same. Yes. Like, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like the wild card thing was a success. I think yeah. that there's they're trying to. It's definitely better than the, you know, the one-off games because those I think have like. Those have really screwed teams, you know. Like, there's those sure. Pirates teams that were basically like the third best teams in baseball and played yeah. two postseason games over the course of two years. Like, that sucks. That's unfair to their fans, and mm-hmm. like, it's unfair to the team. In this case, it's like if the Mets can't beat the Padres two out of three on their home field, then like you gave them a little bit of an advantage, and you still have to do it. You know, like it's not the sort of thing where you just advance a team to the next round because they won a certain number. I mean, you do if you win the tiebreaker, obviously, but there's there's obviously no accounting for the randomness of all of this. Like, that's... And I think that, like, to the extent that you don't want to get rid of it, like, I think if you're... I don't know what the fuck Rob Manfred wants, you know, yeah. in general. But I think that, like, in this case, it's you account for it and then you let the dumb shit happen that's going to happen and that's like there's nothing else to want like that's that's what mm-hmm. i like about october baseball so like yeah, yeah. you got an extra few games of it my my the way that at this point my only criticism is that there too to uh the percentage of a, of the league that makes the postseason is too high for me which can be mm-hmm. solved not by removing playoff spots but by adding teams mm-hmm. yeah i would i would love the idea of expansion but i don't think it's tough. I mean, I think the the one thing that you know that they talked about in terms of the playoffs and it'd be like you know teams are gonna be comfortable playing for that last spot and you know being mediocre and all that. I don't think that any of the teams that made I mean the playoffs this year, the Rays are just what they are. They're their own weird thing. All of these teams went for it. It's just that like to Stephen's point, like almost every team that went for it made it, and no uh, none of the teams that didn't go for it, wound up accidentally backing in. You know, mm-hmm. that, like, I think I would have enjoyed it. Cleveland kind of did that. Cleveland kind of did. They won their division, though. You know, I know like they but, won. Yeah, but <laughs> they, they did it on, like, just the they total collapse of other teams, too, though, that were yeah. going for it. So I've had um, a hard time with Cleveland, like, giving them credit to a certain yeah. extent. I think, because all the stuff that I say I want, they do. You know, like, I want teams that play, like, a weird style and that, like, sort of, like, focus on... Not like on money ball shit, but they just basically are able to find a way to win that isn't the same way to right. win that every other mm-hmm. team does. And Development. Yeah, they actually do it. They did that. And I then when I watch it, I'm just like, no, not like that. Not with Miles <laughs> Straw. I had yeah. something cooler in mind. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. very fair. Uh, but before we get off the wild card, I do want to ask as, as, a, as a counter positive, uh, let's say a hypothetical situation the negotiations go differently. The three-round format gets pushed back a year, and the Mets go into the playoffs with a one-game uh, wild card, and it's the one we got with Scherzer going out there and and struggling. And then you're out of the postseason. Do you feel worse as a fan about that, or do you feel like the, the un- injustice of the one-game wild card gives you a little bit of like more, not dignity. Dignity is not the right word, but you kind of get what I'm. What I, definitely not the right word, <laughs> but. I know what you're saying. That like, does it give you something to like, sort of hang your hat on, and like, like a grievance, basically? Yeah, exactly. We we like all the need opposite our, of dignity. We all need <laughs> we all need our grievances to get through the day in, in any aspects right. of our lives. But in that case, yeah, you could be like, oh, you know, it's just one game, stupid. Like it's October for you, but no, I'm glad I got to watch him play another game. I'm glad I enjoyed watching game two. Uh, I think that like the 
the one game playoff thing to me felt like uh, just sort of like a misunderstanding of what fans want. That it was, I think that that was kind of a bridge to what we've got now, which I think is better. But that was like, I think when it started, that was an attempt to sort of recreate the fun of that year where there was like the game 163 and there's like all these teams playing all around the league. And that did whip ass. Like that was super fun from a fan's perspective. It's just that like the, the sudden death aspect of it was not the fun part. You know, right. like you would know that if you were a baseball fan, but if you were like a MLB exec and you don't actually like baseball very much, you're just sort of like, they like it when they play during the day, uh, whatever. So <laughs> make make that happen. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I do like it when they play during the day, though. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. feels I like was, I was furious at the time slots that the Phillies got, but honestly, now, like, I, I don't have to, like, set aside like time in yeah my it day. helps that we're all like work from yeah. home goons yeah yeah well yeah. no i'm i work from the off like literally the the two days that the phillies are playing this week are the days that i am in the office i'm i'm remote every other day it's just it's so annoying but it, it's fine i made it work um do we have mailbag yes okay let's go through a couple of these all right millennial falcon which players do you think would be the best wedding guests? Ooh. Ooh. I can give one answer from experience with okay. us. I was at a wedding where Doug Glanville was there. Okay. <laughs> um, he was, this was after his playing days. He was a friend of the groom, I guess, from Penn. And Doug Glanville was an excellent wedding guest. Uh, awesome. Like, danced with his kid. Seemed like he was, uh, you know, holding it down at his table, um, but not in a way that suggested he thought he was the most important person at the wedding, um, which is really all you you want uh, somebody to that will dance and also, you know, like not drop people during the horror because they're like <laughs> doing a bit. Um, I get it's easier for me. This is just the way my mind works on stuff like this to come up with like who would be the worst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's. I think that's the, um, like, you know, quiet part of this question. That's that's actually there. Is, yeah, yeah. We, we that that we we should also talk about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I think Pete Alonso is an obvious answer. Yeah, he'd be mm-hmm. great. Uh, just because I, I'm I've been reminded of his existence uh, by this game right now. But uh, J.P. Crawford, I would love to go to a wedding with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got big dogs. Energy. If you're a big dog guy, you've got good energy. And I feel like you mm-hmm. could look like role player types, like a Chris Taylor or a, an Ed, Eduardo Escobar, who's going to be very conscientious yeah. of the room. Eduardo Escobar is a great answer, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Escobar yeah. rules. He was yeah. for a guy that was not good for most of the season. He is, I think, has the highest non-Alonzo Lindor uh, category of like yeah. people that like. People that I'm in the Mets fan DM with mentioning offhandedly that they would die for him. <laughs> oh, like, God, that happened. Yeah. It took like six weeks of high quality baseball and like high energy post game interviews. Uh, yeah, for he's that. the greatest. Like I, I loved him so much when he was here. Like, did you see the mm-hmm. uh, the like ad he took out in the Star Tribune when he got traded, uh, where oh. it's like. He photoshopped, there's like, it's a photoshop of him with his arms outstretched, you know, like 200 feet tall over target field with like a rainbow between the (laughs) arms. And he's just like, thank you so much, Minneapolis, for like all the the great years. No, I I love that. Send it to me. Yeah, Yeah, I had to do the fucking 
Cristo Redentor Rio statue pose. That's how much I enjoyed my time here. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. Uh yeah, okay. I'm going to I'm going to put the uh the image here in the, the in the chat. Um yeah. it's so good. Basically uh, what you want from a, a wedding guest is like that positive Pete Alonzo greenery oh, and then you don't want any of the like I mean, again, you see more of it where uh, in the negative in baseball, where it's just kind of like either like Orange County guys that want to fight, or kind of just like uh, Saturnine bumpkins, you know. So sure. to the extent that you can avoid that, like, I feel like Madison Bumgarner would be a terrible wedding guest. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel Absolutely. like James Karinchak would be a terrible wedding guest. Yeah. And you know, there's a whole other sort of the idea of like, ugh, like Mike Clevenger doing a toast. Like there's so many bad <laughs> options. Well, I think there's like three the guys where it's like do a good toast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Clevin, you're doing one for Zach Plesac, and he's just like naming crime after crime that they've done. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we got fake COVID cards, bro? And we were able to play yeah, yeah. for a while. That fucking ruled. Oh. God. Okay. Uh, at the Wizrad says relievers are top tier guys. Who is the closer or reliever you got the most pumped up to see come in, and who is the one that your heart sank the most to see warm up? Can be on baseball grounds and or vibes grounds. I think for this season, like one of the best moments of the season from like a marketing perspective was Diaz was Diaz coming in. Yeah, it was yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No argument there. Uh, I'm seeing that. Like, when he finally gave up some runs in that last game, and then, like, I guess you just play the intro whenever he comes in. But when he's coming in to, like, you're down 4 nothing, the team is completely rolled over, and you're bringing the sort of triumphant trumpet line, mm-hmm. it, like, I don't know. It was like seeing, like, when you were in high school and you'd, like, see a teacher in the real world or something. Like, it just had, like, an uncanniness to it that was kind of grim. I, uh... I thought that intro was cool. That's the most easily, easily the most I've ever enjoyed a Mets closer coming into the game. Uh, okay. Like, I mean, of the Mets closers in my lifetime, I think Billy Wagner was like the only mm-hmm. one that I wasn't actively upset by them closing the ninth inning. Guys made my heart sink for sure. I mean, just going by Mets, Braden Looper um, never looked happy to be there. I didn't mind Benitez because he was cool, um, but like, the guys that they had during the, the bad years, the like um, sort of like post collapse of uh, the Madoff scheme, or they're sort of like it's Frank Francisco and he's pitching at the end of your games, <laughs> sucked, mm-hmm. real grim. Uh, in terms of, I mean, I guess like closers that I have enjoyed in you know like just sort of that like postseason capacity. This is, I guess, like. I don't know where we are on on steroid positivity or whatever. Eric Gagne looked like a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Like he looked, he didn't look like a real guy at all. And watching him pitch, that was like appointment viewing for me. Just because he like, the guy was like 50% bigger than Jonathan Broxton, which is not like a thing that people should be, like a, some animals can be bigger than Jonathan Broxton in that proportion, but not guys generally. And then, like, for a year and a half, like, all he did was <laughs> cystic acne and strike people out. It was incredible. Like, that's sort of what you want from a closer is, like, a brute force experience like that. And I think he was the most dominant, you know, 
obviously chemically enhanced or whatever, but like yeah. that was one of the coolest ones. To, for me. to that point in I like love... fairly recent years, yeah, I think like Pete Kenley Jansen with the Dodgers, where he's just going to throw a cutter like fourteen times and get three strikeouts with it, was was pretty yeah. fucking cool. Yeah. Yep. I'm one like, pitch closers and... rule. Like, that yeah, is another thing yeah. too. Even 100%. Mariano, swaggerless, not my favorite type of guy, but like to just go out there with one pitch and dare people to hit it and like go to the Hall of Fame, like you got to tip your cap. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. No, mine's definitely uh, Fernando Rodney, like my favorite, especially that. <laughs> he was that the best. 2018 with the Twins, where there was absolutely nothing at stake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and but like he, he, he pitched all right, but like the yeah. intro that he had with like the Lil John song that would come in and the whole stadium would go dark. It was fucking awesome. I went to a ton of games that year. It was great. That's the only signed baseball or bobblehead that I have. It's wow, Fernando cool. Rodney yeah. ones. I think no, I'm the I, only person in the world with a Fernando Rodney's Twins jersey. I, I think it's really beautiful like, that both Jane and I, one year apart, both got to watch a Fernando Rodney blown save. Like, I think that's a yeah. really special moment. <laughs> yeah. Not just yeah. watch it, but, like, get upset about it because it yeah. happened to you. What a, yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's an experience that, by rights... He should have pitched for the Mets. Like it's it's yeah. dumb that he hasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they always yeah. will get a guy like that. I think he's done. Um, but like I feel like I wouldn't completely rule that out for last year. Like I had given up on Jose Valverde, and then like Pow's second encore, you get like eight weird innings from him in April. Then the team cuts him. So like maybe maybe there will be a Fernando Rodney Mets turn yet. Yeah, you know he's gonna come in there at forty seven years old, and uh, and turn it around. Yeah. Right, or just yeah. have like one dominant month. And then, yeah. like, it'll just because it's the whole Fernando Rodney arc where there's like never two good seasons in a row. Never. I imagine as he gets older that that's just going to collapse down to like an appearance by appearance thing, <laughs> and then eventually, yeah, there's just no good outcomes left. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is. We're saying yeah. he's apparently still pitching in the Mexican League. So never say never. Is yeah. he on the team? There's one team in the Mexican League that has like all the old MLB guys on it, and it's a fucking incredible panoply of guys. I can try to find it. They have, I think Chris Davis is on the team. Oh, uh, oh that's fantastic. Are we, are we remembering some guys Mexico <laughs> edition? Yeah. He's yeah. playing for the yeah. Toros in Tijuana. I think that may be it. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm looking up Chris Davis right now. <laughs> Listeners uh, who are really paying attention are going to hear the fan on my computer start to blow a fucking gale, <laughs> which it does every time. <laughs> I have to use uh, baseball reference with other tabs open, but... All right, uh, I gotta find this team because the the one that's like that good is oh man, I have to. I think this is the team that Adrian Gonzalez played with for a couple of years. Oh, which Sam team? Du- so who's on? Uh, let's Go see ahead. here. I've got um, guys I'm recognizing: Sam Dyson, Javi Guerra. Oh, Sam! That's where Sam Dyson oh, went. Well, he had to I'm flee the country after, yeah, yeah after <laughs> like the abuse, yeah. Uh, yep. Oh, Fernando Roddy, Felix Perez. Yikes. We gotta have some more guys in here. Joe Van Meter, he's he's playing for this team. No, not too many oh, other. Oh, the other, the other Van Meter. <laughs> All right, this is this is indeed the team I was thinking about. So this team is uh, Diablos Rojos del Mexico. Pardon my pronunciation. They have uh, the god Yafet Am- Amador. I recommend looking him up if you don't know what he looks like. He's like he weighs like three hundred and sixty pounds and hits homers. He's like actually really good. He's just in his mid-30s and can't field at all. The rest of the team, uh, Justin Bauer, uh, Jorge Cantu, Chris Davis, <laughs> Rio Ruiz. This is just the biggest boys that you could possibly get. Yeah. And then uh, pitching-wise, you got Jumbo Diaz. 
uh, Gerson Bautista, who was a Met for a little while. Um, Rogelio Armenteros, who like kind of seems like should still be on the Astros. Uh, and Jeremy Jeffress. So it is the island of misfit toys, but like extra large. Oh, they have Roberto Osuna, too. That's a buzzkill. I should have stopped before scrolling down. That's fantastic. Oh, I guess we should and... also specify that we're talking with the Chris with a K, Chris. Yes. Right. Yeah. Not Chris with a C. Chris is never going to pick up a baseball bat again, and I don't he think does, he doesn't need to in the same way that Chris Davis with a K does. Yeah. I have I have looked up Yafet Amador. He's a specimen, right? My God. He's a giant. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm just imagining those beefy boys, uh, in a city that is like a thousand feet higher than Denver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, you know, building for the, the stadium you have in the same way that um, the Rockies like to get pitchers who pray a lot. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> okay. Get through this one here. Brute at Virgil Suspects. Who would it be funnier to find out had juiced this season, Pujols or Judge? Oh, That's a good question. That's a really good question. Uh, oh, fuck. I think... If Judge doing it just kind of creates a lot of bad discourse, I, I think right. Pujols doing it, there's less people really giving that much of a shit. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Which is probably important. Probably, I think that's probably funnier. I think it's uh, funnier. It's less, yeah, the other one's like more like schadenfreude and stuff, but mm-hmm. like... Yeah. But just like, oh, yeah, like, oh, we had this great, like, comeback year for Pujols to close it out. It's just like, yeah, he was just geared the fuck up the whole <laughs> yeah. time. Like, yeah. just, yeah, <laughs> just like, you, oh, there was a needle, like, stuck in his thigh at his last at-bat. <laughs> the judge one would be funny just in the sense that it would then, like, a bad discourse cycle would that is already, like, would collapse within itself. And, like, we would finally get the article that's, like, Ryan Howard is the actual single-season home run guy. Like, there yeah. would just be, like, you would get, like, working your way backwards. Now, hey, now, hold of, on. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm starting to like the sound of this. But, <laughs> but I think that's that's really promising. Like, you have to, certainly the Pujols one uh, would be really funny. Because it's, like, at this point, the only reason that you would even reveal that information is to be mean. Like, it doesn't matter. No, you know, it's, like, it's just to make the case that steroids should be legal. Like, didn't you enjoy watching this man who was 42 or possibly 45 years old <laughs> hit all these homers? Like, yeah. Uh, all right, last one here. Nick from the Discord. What would have to happen for the Yankees to have a funnier playoff exit than the Mets? <laughs> uh, That's a great question. Yeah. Um, should I recuse myself? <laughs> uh, I th- unfortunately... It'd have to be Astros related, which means that they would have to advance over Cleveland. They'd have to advance, and the yeah. Mariners would have yeah. to be done. So, like, you don't think getting blanked entirely by the Dians would do it? That would be <laughs> pretty <laughs> funny. That would be very funny. That uh, would, it would. That that fifteen inning Rays Cleveland game was getting pretty pretty wild at the end there. Something like that would be very funny with that offense. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, I think I think I went immediately to the Astros thing because I know that that would be the one that would turn Yankees fans into the Joker the hardest. Yeah. Oh, but for sure. The question is funniest. And just a, a sweep by Cleveland would be very funny. Yeah, that, Austin Hedges turns into <laughs> fucking Mike Piazza for a series. He just can't get him out. Mm-hmm. 
Listen, if if that means three more... fourteen inning games where that are all one zero, uh, <laughs> yeah, decided yeah. by a Cleveland no. home run. I was like, not yeah. trying to tee this up for Steven, but you have authored authored what I think is the only Austin Hedges thirst post yet to arrive on Twitter, <laughs> and yet uh, you did it. You Bro, you are not <laughs> following <laughs> the same people I'm following. Right, Let me okay. fucking tell you. Let me tell you. It has been thirsty out there. Um, yeah. I have been. Uh, I have. Listen. I, I, I'm gonna pull rank. I have been on the Austin Hedges thirst train since f- for fucking years, and that champagne celebration with him with his fucking his his titties out flowing in the breeze <laughs> I, I, I like just looking back at the timeline during that and just seeing like from a couple hours before like I looked at it you just being like who's got the Instagram live of the, <laughs> of the locker room celebration where is it why aren't there why are more photos and videos people being posted were, people were going feral over that yeah. and <laughs> doing the Gary Oldman line readings from the professional demanding links and it was very everybody much- <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and it was very much like, see, I told you he was hot. Yeah. I told you all. Okay, we yeah. see you to a 30. That's Well, that's what I want that for you. I hope that the that you get a, a shirtless and wet Austin Hedges celebrating at Yankee Stadium. I think that would be it. It would be wonderful. Mm. Is is it funnier than the Mets losing uh two games out of three that they were just barely in after all their fans got themselves gassed up? I don't know. I didn't find it very funny the first time that it happened. But definitely, well, no, like, a key a key part of the humor was the ridiculous shit with Musgrove. Like, yes, I think something something equally weird needs to happen there. Sure. Also, uh, Aaron Judge uh, being hitless would be very funny. Aaron Judge being hitless, Karen Jack actually getting busted for sticky stuff, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> Yeah, like they like they in a game that the Guardians go on to win, and then like Yankees fans can be really mad about it. Mm-hmm. That plus hedges plus maybe like a Stephen Kwan homer into Monument Park. Ooh, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm talking myself into it. Yeah, let's <laughs> fucking go, baby. The game just started. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Um, I think that's all we got for this week. David, thank you so much. As always, hey, you're the best. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and like I've said here on the on these episodes lately, October, great month for our Patreon. Uh, we have a bunch of good bonus episodes. We have a whole bunch of watch-alongs that are, those are really, really fun. Do those in the Discord. Come watch baseball with us. We're gonna yes, uh, watch-along people last week got to see me uh, have a fucking conniption yeah. Uh, when the Phillies beat the Cardinals in game one. So. Yeah, we got to see Steven uh, jump out of his chair, but it kind of looked like he was, like, raptured. It was very <laughs> funny because uh, you just disappeared from camera after. Uh, very, really good stuff. So go to patreon.com. Batting around and sign up there. Then get yourself on the Discord. It's a lot of fun. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>